Alawapa friends, welcome to Scattering Angels. It's the fourth day of power, the year 175 of the Badi calendar, November 7th, 2018. Today's passages have sort of the common theme of consultation. We're going to begin with a reading from the Kitabi Akdas, the most holy book by Baha'u'llah. Um, on page 191 of my copy, this is uh, verse 52 under notes. Take counsel together. Baha'u'llah has established consultation as one of the found fundamental principles of his faith and has exhorted the believers to take counsel together in all matters. He describes consultation as the lamp of guidance which leadeth the way and as the bestower of understanding. Shoghi Effendi states that the principle of consultation constitutes one of the basic laws of the Baha'i administrative order. I'm going to move on now to a passage by Al-Baha from the Promulgation of Universal Peace. This is pages 72 and 73. It was from a talk at the Hotel Plaza, Chicago, Illinois, on the second day of May 1912. In this cause, consultation is of vital importance, but spiritual conference and not the mere voicing of personal views is intended. In France, I was present at a session of the Senate, but the experience was not impressive. Parliamentary procedure should have for its object the attainment of the light of truth upon questions presented and not furnish a battleground for opposition and self-opinion. Antagonism and contradiction are unfortunate and always destructive to truth. In the parliamentary meeting mentioned, altercation and useless quibbling were frequent. The result, mostly confusion and turmoil. Even in one instance, a physical encounter took place between two members. It was not consultation, but comedy. The purpose is to emphasize the statement that consultation must have for its ob object the investigation of truth. He who expresses an opinion should not voice it as correct and right, but set it forth as a contribution to the consensus of opinion. For the light of reality becomes apparent when two opinions coincide. A spark is produced when flint and steel come together. Man should weigh his opinions with the utmost serenity, calmness, and composure. Before expressing his own views, he should carefully consider the views already advanced by others. If he finds that a previously expressed opinion is more true and worthy, he should accept it immediately and not willfully hold to an opinion of his own. By this excellent method, he endeavors to arrive at unity and truth. Opposition and division are deplorable. It is better than to have the opinion of a wise, sagacious man. Otherwise, contradiction and altercation, in which varied and divergent views are presented, will make it necessary for a judicial body to render decision upon the question. Even a majority opinion or consensus may be incorrect. A thousand people may hold to one view and be mistaken, whereas one sagacious person may be right. Therefore, true consultation is spiritual conference in the attitude and atmosphere of love. Members must love each other 
in the spirit of fellowship in order that good results may be forthcoming. Love and fellowship are the foundation. The most memorable instance of spiritual consultation was the meeting of the disciples of Jesus Christ upon the mount after his ascension. They said, Jesus Christ has been crucified, and we have no longer association and intercourse with him in his physical body. Therefore, we must be loyal and faithful to him. We must be grateful and appreciate him, for he has raised us from the dead. He made us wise. He has given us eternal life. What shall we do to be faithful to him? And so they held counsel. One of them said, We must detach ourselves from the chains and fetters of the world, otherwise we cannot be faithful. The others replied, That is so. Another said, Either we must be married and faithful to our wives and children, or serve our Lord free from these ties. We cannot be occupied with the care and provision for families, and at the same time herald the kingdom in the wilderness. Therefore, let those who are unmarried remain so, and those who have married provide means of sustenance and comfort for their families, and then go forth to spread the message of glad tidings. There were no dissenting voices. All agreed, saying, That is right. A third disciple said, To perform worthy deeds in the kingdom, we must be further self-sacrificing. From now on, we should forego ease and bodily comfort, accept every difficulty, forget self, and teach the cause of God. This found acceptance and approval by all the others. Finally, a fourth disciple said, There is still another aspect to our faith and unity. For Jesus' sake we shall be beaten, imprisoned, and exiled. They may kill us. Let us receive this lesson now. Let us realize and resolve that though we are beaten, banished, cursed, spat upon, and led forth to be killed, we shall accept all this joyfully, loving those who hate and wound us. All the disciples replied, Surely we will, it is agreed, that is right. Then they descended from the summit of the mountain, and each went forth in a different direction upon his divine mission. This was true consultation. This was spiritual consultation, and not the mere voicing of personal views in parliamentary opposition and debate. The next passage I'm going to read is from The Prosperity of Humankind. It's a compilation from the Baha'i International Community on pages 7 through 8. In order for the standard of human rights now in the process of formulation by the community of nations to be promoted and established as prevailing international norms, a fundamental redefinition of human relationships is called for. Present-day conceptions of what is natural and appropriate in relationships among human beings themselves, between human beings in nature, between the individual and society, and between the members of society and its institution, reflect levels of understanding arrived at by the human race during earlier and less mature stages in its development. If humanity is indeed coming of age, if all the inhabitants of the planet constitute a single people, if justice is to be the ruling principle of social organization, then existing conceptions that were born out of ignorance of these emerging realities have to be recast. Movement in this direction has barely begun. 
it will lead as it unfolds to a new understanding of the nature of the family and of the rights and responsibilities of each of its members. It will entirely transform the role of women at every level of society. Its effect in reordering people's relation to the work they do and their understanding of the place of economic activity in their lives will be sweeping. It will bring about far-reaching changes in the governance of human affairs and in the institutions created to carry it out. Through its influence, the work of society's rapidly proliferating non-governmental organizations will be increasingly rationalized. It will ensure the creation of binding legislation that will protect both the environment and the development needs of all peoples. Ultimately, the restructuring or transformation of the United Nations system that this movement is already bringing about will no doubt lead to the establishment of a World Federation of Nations with its own legislative, judicial, and executive bodies. Central to the task of reconceptualizing the system of human relationships is the process that Baha'u'llah referred to as consultation. In all things it is necessary to consult, is his advice. The maturity of the gift of understanding is made manifest through consultation. The standard of truth seeking this process demands is far beyond the patterns of negotiation and compromise that tend to characterize the present-day discussion of human affairs. It cannot be achieved, indeed its attainment is severely handicapped by the culture of protest that is another widely prevailing feature of contemporary society. Debate, propaganda, the adversarial method, the entire apparatus of partisanship that have long been such familiar features of collective action are all fundamentally harmful to its purpose. That is, arriving at a consensus about the truth of a given situation and the wisest choice of action among the options open at any given moment. What Baha'u'llah is calling for is a consultative process in which the individual participants strive to transcend their respective points of view in order to function as members of a body with its own interests and goals. In such an atmosphere, characterized by both candor and courtesy, ideas belong not to the individual to whom they occur during the discussion, but to the group as a whole, to take up, discard, or revise as seems to best serve the goal pursued. Consultation succeeds to the extent that all participants support the decisions arrived at regardless of the individual opinions with which they entered the discussion. Under such circumstances, an earlier decision can be readily reconsidered if experience exposes any shortcomings. Viewed in such a light, consultation is the operating expression of justice in human affairs. So vital is it to the success of collective endeavor that it must constitute a basic feature of a viable strategy of social and economic development. Indeed, the participation of the people on whose commitment and efforts the success of such a strategy depends becomes effective only as consultation is made the organizing principle of every project. No man can attain his true station, is Baha'u'llah's counsel, except through his justice. No power can exist except through unity.
no welfare and no well-being can be attained except through consultation. We're going to continue now with our reading of the hidden words of Baha'u'llah with the 23rd and 24th hidden word from the Arabic. O Son of the Supreme, to the Eternal I call thee, yet thou dost seek that which perisheth. What hath made thee turn away from our desire and seek thine own? O Son of Man, transgress not thy limits, nor claim that which beseemeth thee not. Prostrate thyself before the countenance of thy God, the Lord of might and power. We'll close today's episode with a prayer from the Baha'i Prayer Book on page 85 and 86, written by Abdu'l-Bahá in the section on gatherings. O thou merciful God, O thou who art mighty and powerful, O thou most kind Father, these servants have gathered together, turning to thee, supplicating thy threshold, desiring thine endless bounties from thy great assurance. They have no purpose save thy good pleasure. They have no intention save service to the world of humanity. O God, make this assemblage radiant. Make the hearts merciful. Confer the bounties of the Holy Spirit. Endow them with a power from heaven. Bless them with heavenly minds. Increase their sincerity so that with all humility and contrition they may turn to thy kingdom and be occupied with service to the world of humanity. May each one become a radiant candle. May each one become a brilliant star. May each one become beautiful in color and redolent of fragrance in the kingdom of God. O kind Father, confer thy blessings. Consider not our shortcomings. Shelter us under thy protection. Remember not our sins. Heal us with thy mercy. We are weak, thou art mighty. We are poor, thou art rich. We are sick, thou art the physician. We are needy, thou art most generous. O God, endow us with thy providence. Thou art the powerful, thou art the giver, thou art the beneficent. Abdu'l-Bahá. Thank you for joining me today at Scattering Angels. I look forward to um, the next episode, which will be Friday. Thank you very much again and have a beautiful day.